Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Joined again after a one-week hiatus by my co-host, Dalvin Osario. Dalvin, how you doing? I'm doing good, Joe. You know what it was? I figured that it would be good luck if I skipped last week so we could be ready for this first-place matchup where, you know, the division-leading Jets will try to stake their claim to, to, to reigning over the AFC East. <laughs> Hey, you're right. Timing has been right. We do have the three and two Jets taking on the three and two New England Patriots at home this week in what is a game for first place. Both teams also tied with Buffalo, who is also three and two, but still not the likely record of these two teams that many people thought heading into this season. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk through what happened in the Jets' 17-14 win over Cleveland preview how we think the Jets can compete with New England. They are nine-point underdogs despite being at home and having the same record. Uh, before we dive into that, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to te- check out primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets for more information. Make sure to give them a follow on Facebook and on Twitter. They have different fan hospitality packages for both home and away games. Again, that's primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. Make sure to check out the tailgate that they'll have coming up this weekend before the Jets Patriots game kicks off at one o'clock. All right, Dalvin, two and two Jets going to Cleveland to play the 0-4 Browns. Two teams go on to play one of the ugliest halves of football I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the Browns turn the ball over on an odd shovel pass inside the five-yard line after driving down the field. Uh, they also later in the half throw an interception. Nice play by Marcus May jumping an out route, uh, preventing them from getting points again. Uh, Josh McCown throws an interception. Cleveland misses a field goal. Uh, the Jets are able to wrap the half with some dare I say, savvy time management, uh, and then have Chandler, Chandler Canzero, who has been very, very good so far this year, knock through a 57-yard field goal. Jets go into the half up 3 nothing. Cleveland makes a quarterback switch for the ineffective Deshaun Kaiser. By the way, they passed on Deshaun Watson, who's on pace to throw for about 5,000 touchdown passes this year. I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. Anyway, Hogan comes in at quarterback for the Browns. Actually, is moving the ball very well for Cleveland. Uh, gets a touchdown to David uh, Njoko, who's actually beats Jamal Adams uh, for about a 20-yard touchdown. Uh, the Jets are able to respond, though, thanks primarily to an interception from Morris Claiborne that set up a short touchdown pass to Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, the Jets then are able to put the game on ice with a 25-yard, I believe it was 24-yard touchdown pass to Jermaine Curse, uh, a late Cleveland touchdown followed by a failed onside kick, and the Jets win 17-14 despite being outgained 2-1. Main reason you would say they won this game is because they found a way to force three turnovers, namely two of which that came in the red zone, and then another turnover on downs that happened inside the five-yard line. So basically Cleveland drove the ball up and down the field, but three times when they had the ball within within the five-yard line weren't able to score. They also missed two field goals, but... Good on the Jets for taking advantage of it. They made plays defensively that helped prevent points. 
Um, they set up their offense for their first touchdown because it was not the best day at all for the Jets' offense. They could not run the ball at all. Uh, they really had no big plays down the field outside of Curse's touchdown in the fourth quarter. Uh, McCown, as we mentioned, did have an interception. But the Jets did just enough to beat the Browns, who are now 0-5 and 1-20 under Hugh Jackson. Might be time to start potentially thinking about a coaching change. Build the billboards. <laughs> over there, over there in Cleveland. So I would say, I don't know, you, you tell me what you think about this. I would say this is probably the worst game the Jets played all season besides Oakland and maybe, maybe Buffalo. It was not pretty, but again, they won. What are your initial thoughts and reactions to Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think, so the the Buffalo game, was a, a tale of two halves, right? A, a, a kind of a tale of two halves in the sense that LaShawn McCoy kind of ran all over the all over the field, and the Jets were able to contain Tyrod Taylor, and the Jets were in it, right, to, to the to very end, only lost by nine. Oakland is the worst game that they've played, hands down. I think Cleveland, this matchup, I think this matchup was a close second only because of the level of competition and the fact of how bad they looked uh, from the beginning, right? They kind of looked like they were sleepwalking through through the half, and then you know, Hugh Jackson makes the inexplicable choice to bench Deshaun Kaiser to go to Kevin Hulk Hogan, um, who, you know, beat has David Njuku beat Jamal Adams, you know, for a touchdown. And it was just a really, really weird game because the Browns, and I think I've said this uh, pretty consistently during the last year as the Jets were getting blasted and told that they were worse than the Browns. The Browns are the worst team in football. And I mean, like, just really, really bad. Like, they only have talent on the offensive line and Jamie Collins up until, obviously, Miles Garrett decided to make this his coming out party with two sacks. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think the Jets slept walked through that almost that entire game. But you're going to have games like that, I think, because you have a team that's still kind of trying to figure out what kind of team they are, right? So, for example, you see a team like Jacksonville get beat by the Jets because the Jets made it a point to try and stop Leonard Fournette, right, and make Blake Bortles beat him. But the Jaguars have an identity. Their identity is they will run the ball with Leonard Fournette and Chris Ivory, and they will limit the amount of times that Blake Bortles can hurt you. The Jets don't have that yet. The Jets, you don't know what kind of team they are. You don't know what it is that they really do well, except for, I think, one of the things that we've seen through five games, and you'll we'll see this on my article this week grading the team. One of the things they do well is that they uh, play really good situational football. And I think that's a testament to, to John Morton. It's also a testament to Josh McCown, um, where I think I, they've, they've utilized what talent they do have. And again, it's not a lot, but they've used what talent they do have to try and maximize their their opportunities to score so they run a fake screen with a with a uh a curl route not a curl route a, a wheel route to curse and everybody bites on the screen and he hits curse wide open right then the fade route to austin safarian jenkins that's easy money every time because jenkins is such a big player and you've seen that multiple times that they figured out ways to get their hands you see robbie Anderson blow by aj bouye against jacksonville just straight on a fly route and you see mccown take that shot down the field Morton has a really good feel for the game, and they've done a really good job of just knowing when to take those shots and when not to. And I feel like they did that with Cleveland. It just it was worrisome because they slept walked through a lot of it, and I really thought that the tank was going to be back on. But now it is stuck in mud as we head towards MetLife and first place matchup against the Patriots. Yeah, look, I think you have to give the Jets credit here. I I don't think me or you or, or plenty of other people who have closely followed this team are overly shocked by this start. I think. You know, both of us thought this team could very well be three and two or three and three after their first six games. But it is something 
there's a difference between having winnable games in the schedule and actually winning those games. And a young team is learning how to win close games, how to win in overtime, how to win ugly on the road against a team that they're, they're flat out better than. It's going to be a different level of competition this week. And, you know, I do think there is a chance the Jets could be in for a bit of a reality check. And if you think the Jets are automatically a playoff contender because they beat a bad Miami team at home, beat Cleveland and beat Jacksonville coming off London, that might be premature, but they have a chance to prove that wrong this weekend. If the Jets beat New England and get to four and two, leave New England at three and three, that changes the narrative and discussion around this season. As of now, I still think this is a five and 11, six and 10 type team. They'll win a few more games. I think they'll be competitive some weeks. I think they're going to get blown out some weeks when they play some of the better teams. We'll find out this week if that isn't really underestimating their ability. If they beat New England, I think you could start talking about them as a team that is going to hover around 500 and that could potentially be playing meaningful play, meaningful games with playoff implications in December. But you have to win this game. If you go out and you lose 45-20 like you did to Oakland, you know, you're three and three, and again, you have not shown that you deserve to be taken that seriously yet, and you're probably looking at, you know, that five and 11, six and 10 type team. They do get Miami again the week after, but then you deal with Atlanta. You have a better than expected Buffalo team. You have Tampa Bay, and then the schedule after the bye does get very rough with Kansas City, Carolina, Denver on the road, New Orleans, and then New England again, who unlike I think many people thought, they're probably going to have something to play for in Week 17. So there's going to be no laydown game from the Patriots. But let's focus on the upcoming matchup here first. How do you think, what is the formula for the Jets to hang around and potentially steal this game, Dalvin? Well, um, I will say that I, I before the season, and this was before I made my official predictions, I did think that the Jets would be in position to steal one from New England. And I thought that this was the more likely game to steal because I thought New England would be working out some of the kinks that they're clearly working out, right? So Stephon Gilmore was kind of a train wreck the first four games. Plays Mike Evans, only allows three catches, yes, on four targets, but didn't allow any yak. So I think that's important to note, right? Malcolm Butler hasn't been that great overall. Uh, even McCordy, who is usually the rock of the secondary, has not been very good. Eric Rowe, another one, has not been very good. What does that tell you? That you run the ball. No, just kidding. I think the Jets have to take their shots down the field. I think the Jets have to figure out ways to manufacture touches for Robbie Anderson, who will be able to get by Stephon Gilmore, as he did multiple times against Buffalo. And you want to be able to get the, get the ball into the hands of Jermaine Curse, who has shown that he is a solid receiver who can who can initiate physicality and get open. You also want to try and manufacture touches as much as this may pain some folks to hear for Jeremy Curley, who usually has big games against New England and is able to find the soft spots, especially against a team that does not have as much talent at, at the linebacking position as they've had in previous years. There is no more Chandler Jones. There is no more Jamie Collins. There is no more Rob Ninkovich. And, there, and yes, Dante Hightower is there, but he does not seem to be the same player that he was. And I think he's a little banged up. So... I think the formula for the Jets is going to be you want to be able to throw the ball. You want to take your shots downfield. You do not want to sit down and think, okay, we just have to run the ball and keep it away from Brady. I don't think that's the way you do it because realistically this is the team that for all its flaws and for all its issues is 32nd. Their defense is 32nd against the yards and is against yards and is allowing both the, the most yards per attempt and the third most yards per the third, the, 
the most yards per attempt passing and the third most yards per attempt running the ball. The defense is that bad. This is your opportunity to go in there and take these shots down the field and run the ball down their throat and actually hit them in the mouth before they can recover. Brady's offensive line is also not as good as not not as good as it was in years past. So you want Coney Ely and Muhammad Wilkerson and Leonard Williams, and, it, and that's if Wilkerson plays. But if he doesn't, you still need Leonard Williams to dominate up front, and he has not dominated really. It's actually a borderline miracle that the Jets' defense is, has won three games, and Leonard Williams and Mo Wilkerson have zero sacks. Miles Garrett had two in his first game. Leonard Williams and Mo Wilkerson have zero through five games and over a hundred combined snaps together. So it's just something to consider. But I think for the Jets. I think it's going to be important that they take their shots against the secondary. Gronk is banged up. Rex Burkhead is questionable. Eric Rowe is also questionable. Alan Branch is questionable. The Patriots come in banged up. Vincent Valentine is on IR. Derek Rivers is on IR, who was probably their best pass rusher. The, the Patriots come in banged up. The Jets need to take advantage of that and take shots down the field and make sure that they're able to put up some points because they're not going to win this game 16-3, to 20-3. Their defense isn't that good yet. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Obviously, we're giving you some of our feedback on that right now. Patriots or Jets, what do you think about nine points? Is the line too high? We want to remind you guys to check out mybookie.ag. Make sure to use promo code TOJ because they will match your deposit with up to a 100% cash bonus. Again, that's mybookie.ag if you're looking to get involved in any of that NFL or college football action this weekend. And again, make sure to use promo code TOJ as they will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Um, so, Dalvin, I think you made the key point I think you made there is that the Jets, you can't especially with Bilal Powell, likely less than 100%, and and a game-time decision, uh, as they've already activated Jihad Thomas uh, from the practice squad to the active roster, which is probably a sign that they're not overly confident in Powell playing. You're not going to be able to just try to shorten this game, shorten this game, uh, and win, like you said, 10-3 or 10-7 or something like that. New England's going to score points. They're going to move the ball. Kind of similarly to what you did against Cleveland, you got to be able to bend but don't break. So how many times can you hold New England to a field goal instead of letting them convert in the red zone for a touchdown? Can you avoid giving up the huge play to Chris Hogan down the field for a 60-yard touchdown that just takes the wind out of the stadium and takes the wind out of a young team? You do not want to have Josh McCown playing from behind, down 17-7, needing to drop back every single time. That really hasn't been the Jets' formula. They need to be able to have a balanced attack and hopefully find ways to hit a couple of shots over the top when New England's sneaking up to the line of scrimmage because they've been running the ball and they've been completing some short passes. You have a guy like Robbie Anderson. You hope he can get behind the defense and you're able to get some quick points. You hang around. You win the special teams battle. You win the turnover battle. You make one big play late, and then you hope that you could find a way to steal this game. Uh, You can't let New England set the tempo in this one, or you're going to be chasing them the whole time, and you don't want Josh McCown chasing Tom Brady because because of all the problems New England has had on defense, they've been excellent on offense. And even with their problems on defense – They went and played a very good Tampa Bay offense on three days rest and held them to 14 points. 
Uh, and now they've had 10 days to prepare for this Jets offense, uh, which should be a little easier for them to match up with than Tampa Bay, considering the disparity of the weapons. So the Jets are going to have to get creative in this one. I think this is, you know, a kitchen sink type matchup. If you have a fake punt, if you have a surprise onside kick, if you have a reverse pass, this is the game to use it to try to keep pace with this Patriots offense. And defensively, like you said, it's got to be keep everything in front. Now, I've been hosting this podcast with you for a while, Dalvin, so I got a feeling I know what your prediction is going to be. <laughs> but what is your prediction for the Jets-Patriots game this Sunday at 1 o'clock? Joe, you know me so well, man. I, we've been doing this for four years. You know me very well. Um, so, again, I, I don't like to backpedal. You know, I'm not Darrell Revis. I will say that I think the Jets win 23 to 17 I think the Jets win by six I think that but also like this is this is the issue with this the Jets are I think the Jets win this game and then everybody starts to talk about like oh my god what a fantastic job McCagnin's done and oh my god Todd Bowles should be retained and all this and then theoretically they could get the hinges blown off of them the next the next eight games or next 10 games or whatever because there's still holes on this team and this is still a team that doesn't do one thing right um, and this, and here's the thing: I picked the Jets to win because I do think that I do think that at home, I think that they're going to be motivated to to show that this game against Cleveland was kind of a fluke, you know, and, and that they are a quote unquote better team than what they've shown, right? But this is also a game that could be 49 to seven really quickly because I think the Patriots are starting to figure out how to use Brandon Cooks. I think they're starting to lean on Mike Gillisley a little bit more. The one thing that does concern me is Brady now with the AC sprain in the shoulder, and it could be them trying to lull us, right? Is it one of those things where Brady has heard all these whispers and is like, you know what, I'm going to come and drop 50 on the Jets' head at, in MetLife. So that that worries me because these Brady revenge games worry me. But, yeah, I think I think the Jets have a pretty good chance of taking it. I think Mo Claiborne should probably not be on Brandon Cooks. Although, I mean, maybe the, the Patriots take a play out of the Browns playbook and just challenge Claiborne all game on something short and then Claiborne takes one to the house. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, I think the Jets win. I think they pull it out. I think it's going to be a good game. I don't, think, I don't think the Jets get blown out, but I could, I could see it. I could see New England saying, yeah, we're about to light them up. But, no, I think the Jets win, man. I'm going I'm to take – I'm not going to pick them to win. I also don't think they're going to get blown out in you know the same fashion that they did last December. The line is nine. I think, I think that's a fair line. I, I think this game will play out as a slightly closer version of Week 2 versus Oakland. I think the Jets are going to come out, play well in the first half, be hanging around. I think this will be a competitive game into the third quarter, into late, of the third, late in the third quarter. But I think – Eventually, New England will outclass them and make a couple big plays down the stretch and win a win a 34-20, 34-17 type game. I think they're going to cover that nine and win, but I do think it will be one of those games when you look back at it, you'll say that that felt a little closer than a 14 to 17 point loss. But ultimately, uh, I don't think this is going to be the week that the Jets are going to be ready to knock off one of the better teams on their schedule, the New England, the Atlanta, um, the Tampa Bay, Carolina. I think the Jets have one of those wins, maybe two of them on their schedule this year where they'll really surprise a a team and get a big upset. I don't think they're ready for it this week. And what I'm going to be curious to see is if and when they lose this game, how do they handle that when they go on the road against a Miami team who they've beaten soundly already and who many people think they should probably beat twice in a year? Are they going to be able to bounce back from a loss 
uh, and get get back over 500 and keep this season interesting for a few more weeks. Because if you if you let things spiral here and you lose to New England and you lose to Miami and then you got to go back and play Atlanta, all of a sudden you got yourself to three and five. And that's a tough hole to dig out of. And you're going to start hearing calls for Bryce Petty uh, and more and more of the younger players who really should be playing, at, you know, at this point anyway. Maybe not Petty, but, you know, some of the other younger players at some of the other positions. But I, I don't think this week is going to the, be the week I hope I'm wrong. I would love to watch the Jets shock, shock New England and change the narrative and discussion of this season and be a team who might be in the mix to be for be a wild card contender. And we'll be playing meaningful games in December, but I'm not sure they're going to get over the hump this week, but we shall see. Either way, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Turn the Jets podcast. Make sure to follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Make sure to check out our gear store at theloyalist.com backslash Turn on the Jets. Dalbin, any final words? Uh, yeah, it's been a fun season so far, right? I think we both can agree with that. Like, even just, again, Josh McCown is so much more fun to root for than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, seeing the young guys, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, who you actually called, said that he would get his first pick last week, and he did that. Uh, Coney Ely has been fun to watch. Uh, uh, your your guy, David Bassmania, has been fun to watch as well. Um, just been fun to see these young guys continue to grow, and even when the Jets' uh, Twitter account tweets out the celebration videos, you can see that they are a together bunch even if again even if they're not very good even if like 30 of these players may not be here next year just seeing them fight for each other on a weekly basis has been a lot of fun so hopefully we we get treated to a very good game on sunday all right thank you everybody for listening before we wrap we're going to throw it to scott Mason for a preview of this week's play like a jet podcast make sure to subscribe to us on itunes tweet over a review to be eligible for a free shirt and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, and before we wrap this week, we want to throw it to Scott Mason for a preview of this week's Play Like a Jet podcast every Friday, available on TurnOnTheJets.com and on iTunes, so make sure you subscribe to Play Like a Jet, where Scott talks to different members of the New York Jets from previous seasons about different times in the team's history and different moments. Last week, he had part one of his interview with former New York Jets Pro Bowl kick returner Justin Miller. Scott, what should we expect this week? Well, Joe, it is going to be part two this week of our series on the year 2006 with Justin Miller. If you haven't caught part one yet, uh, I was just talking to Joe before I came on about this, and he was saying he really liked part one, and he's looking forward to part two. I hope you are as well, and if you haven't heard part one, don't be one of those people that missed out. Be like Joe Caparoso. That should be your motto for life, but certainly in this case as well. You should listen to part one and be ready for part two Friday with Justin Miller. He's going to talk about everything that went on in the 2006 season as they started to have a little bit of a roller coaster ride. This was a season that wasn't expected to be a good one. They were coming off a really bad year in 05. They had a rookie head coach. There was a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. We began to talk a little bit about the comeback of Chad Bennington last week. We're going to get more into that this week, including we had the ups last week, maybe some of the downs that Chad Pennington experienced. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we're going to talk about how Justin Miller began to really assert himself as one of the very best at his position at that particular point in time. I'm talking about kick return, although he was also a very underrated cover guy as a corner as well. But he became one of the best kick returners in the NFL, if not the best kick returner in the NFL. So we're going to talk to him about that, including his first career kickoff return 
for a touchdown in an exciting game against a legendary quarterback. In fact, I'm not going to tell you exactly who it is, but I will say that uh, perhaps he was roasted this past weekend by one David Letterman. If you want to go ahead and look that up, it might give it away. But either way, you can hear all about that and more this Friday, part two, with Justin Miller on the 2006 season. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Check it out at turnonthejets.com. And please make sure that you leave reviews not only for Play Like a Jet, but also for this podcast, the Turn on the Jets podcast for draft season, which is back and in full effect with Dalvin and Jeff Lloyd. Make sure you listen and subscribe there. And also our live call-in show, The Jet Take, with Ben Blessington and Kyle Fahey every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. So just support our great shows here at Turn on the Jets Digital. Joe's done a great job of really building this up. I'm so happy to be a part of it and be a part of an emerging and growing platform. And I'm looking forward to pushing forward starting this Friday with part two with Justin Miller on the 2006 season. Thank you, Scott. And as he said, make sure to subscribe to all of our podcasts, especially for this week's Play Like a Jet, part two of our interview with Justin Miller. Again, that's Play Like a Jet on iTunes, also available on turnonthejets.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week.